0: My goodness gracious, you can be seated, if you can, in the presence of God. Thank you so much, worship team, for leading us in the presence of God. I love it. I love it. Guys, if y'all will, let's let's go ahead and while the the band is adjusting, let's get everything brought out um, for the speaker today. I'm so excited for what God's doing in this place. I tell you what, I'm excited about the word today. There's a little bit of something going on later tonight, too. I can't remember what it is. is, it, is there? There's going to be a football game in between t- Taylor Swift shots, I think, yeah. tonight. Be, somebody cracked a joke, and they said, okay, it's going to be the San Francisco 49ers playing Taylor and the Kansas City Swifts. So I don't know if that's true or not. Um, how many of y'all are into the football game? Yeah? I am, I tell you. So I know it's weird to talk about football after God is doing what he's doing. I think, um, I think if we're excited about it, then God cares about it, to be honest with you. So let, let, me, let me hear, though, uh, how many of y'all think the Chiefs are going to win this thing tonight? Two people? How many of y'all think San Francisco is going to win this thing tonight? Yeah. How many of you just don't give a rip? Yeah. Yeah. So love that. Was, by the way, we've got a Super Bowl party tonight here at the church. So, uh, s- Since half of us care about the game and, and the other half don't, since we've got a split house. Yeah, somebody says, so if you can't come for the football game, you can come for the food, right? No doubt. And we're going to have some good groceries. Um, I love it. Hey, uh, Moe's has sponsored this thing tonight, Texas Roadhouse, not steaks, but rolls, rolls. (laughs) that means rolls, Um, and uh, I think we've got some other, I think Taco Mac might have kicked in some stuff tonight, so it's really cool to see local businesses help sponsor, this is what what I'm more excited about, I'm more excited about the food that everyone else is going to be bringing, because I know y'all can throw down in the kitchen, and we're going to have some good football food going on here tonight. Uh, I can't wait. Um, you'll hear more about that later. But I'm excited about the word today. I tell you, if I had to pick a top three topic in the in the Bible as pertains to matters of the heart, um, this is right there in that group, one of the most important topics you're ever going to hear great teaching on. And we're blessed today to have an excellent communicator um, with us. And, and he's family here. If I say the, the name Rob Stewart, most of you are going to recognize that. He's got a great heart. Um, great guy. He's an Auburn fan too, which means he carries a special anointing. Look, y'all, people just got saved and we celebrated, and y'all are booing the pastor in the church just like that. I understand how Jesus felt when the crowd turned on him. I see. How, yeah. but, but I tell you, he's a guy that's full of wisdom. And a big part of his ministry, not just all of his ministry, but a big part of it is helping people not navigate the, the world of finances and making sure that we're lined up biblically with God's plan for finances. It's very important, and I don't think a lot of people understand the uh, the importance of it, not just in a practical sense, but in a spiritual sense. Um, and, and I tell you, man, I'm just happy that he's here because I love him. so much fun getting to worship next to you um, during, during the service today, and I uh, can't wait for... Uh, the truth that's going to come out. So if y'all would, please, let's show some love and let's give God praise for the ministry of Rob Stewart as he comes to the yeah. stage to show the world today. <clears throat> yeah. You, love you, man. I love you Good morning. Good
1: morning. Good morning. Is this thing on? Yeah. Yes, you guys that know me know I don't need much of this. <clears throat> Thank you so much for having me. It's so nice to be home. Um, You know, I I, I speak and do this all over the country, but there's nothing like doing it with family and and being home with people that when you walk in, you're like, man, I remember being in the altars with that guy. I remember being at the men's advance with that guy and watching his life being changed. And it's just a whole different ball game, and it's, it, it's nice to be able to come and, and just be with you guys this morning. But I'll tell you what, I love to teach, yeah. and I love teaching about biblical-based financial planning. But I could have just stayed in worship this morning. Yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, one thing I can tell you that is sad, that, that speaking at many places as I do, the Spirit of God doesn't move like that in a lot of them. when you get to get in the water like that it is so refreshing so refreshing for that freedom and you guys need to realize how blessed you are to have this place with that spirit that is welcomed that is welcomed that it's not squashed Uh, i was visiting and i'm just going to share just a a brief story i was visiting a church a few weeks ago going and speaking and the Spirit of God was really moving at the end of the service. Now, I got done. The pastor came up. There was a, a time of repentance, and the worship was just really going. And then all of a sudden, the pastor came back up and told everybody to be seated and dismissed. And I mean, I mean the Spirit of God was moving. And I looked at my watch, and it was 11.59. And my heart just broke. It just broke. Like, that's not what it's about. We can't put God on a time limit. Even though I know I'm kind of on one. I don't want to mess y'all up getting your favorite seat at Golden Corral. So I do have a lot to cover this morning. But let's, let's go to God in prayer. Lord, Heavenly Father, we just praise your name this morning, God. And we just thank you for being in your house and being able to worship you, Lord. Thank you for the opportunity to sit at your feet today, Father. And just thank you for your blessings and worship you for the God that you are in our life. Father, right now, I pray that you would just break all of us, take away all pride. Father, that you would open our minds and our hearts, not to condemnation, but to conviction, Father, so that we can be better servants to you, so that we can be better stewards to you, Father. Lord, right now, I give myself to you, Father, less of me and more of you, Father. God, let this time together be all about you in doing your work and being better disciples for you, Jesus. We just give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, I need you guys to do one thing for me. Technology, technology, technology. Let's see if that works. That works. All right, so I have my stuff here. You have your stuff there. If I'm talking about something that's not there, say, Rob, turn the page. (laughs) Because sometimes it gets a little confusing going, "Mm, mm," and I I get lost. So don't don't be looking and going, what's he talking about? Let me know, okay? Secondly, I want this to kind of have a campfire style feeling to it. I want you to feel comfortable asking questions or interjecting a short testimony of something that you've experienced where God moved in your life because we learn from each other, right? It's by our testimonies, not by mine, yeah. by our testimonies that we are lifted up and encouraged and, and, and we need to be there for each other. Now, the reason I have such a burden for teaching about biblical-based financial planning is this is what God called me to do. I didn't ask for it, didn't seek for it. I used to be a diesel mechanic in my prior life. I turned wrenches for many, many years in the Navy as well as Komatsu and worked for MARTA for nine years on the bus line. But God had a calling for my life that I didn't see and didn't understand and He opened doors that I walked through gratefully. And with faith, I left a job with a steady income and benefits, and went into a job based on commission with nothing with a newborn baby. I'm not lifting me up. I'm just saying that's faith, and thank goodness I walked in faith because God started moving when I did. And what we're going to be talking about today with finances has so much to do about faith. We have to have faith. All right, so I'm going to briefly go through this because this stuff doesn't really matter because it's not about me. It's about him and we want to get to his stuff. But I do want you to know, some of you who don't know me, I want you to know a little bit about me and, and, and where I've been. Uh, I've been in the in the industry for 20 years. What that equals is I'm getting old. I, it, it just seems like yesterday that I you know, came into the industry and now this, this is literally my 20 year anniversary. I, I can keep up easily because my youngest turned 20 this year. And I'm like, wow. I went on maternity leave with my wife for my other job and never went back. So uh, I can always keep up. Um, and God called me out. I went. I started at Prudential in Buckhead, and and I later became vice president of another company in Villarica. And I opened Integrity Financial in 2007. Because God put it on my heart, sitting in Freeport, Bahamas, on a napkin, and I wrote Integrity Financial Solutions, and he started planting a seed and started showing me a vision for going and breaking bondage in people's life by knowledge and by sharing what the Word of God says. Um, So I'm in Carrollton. I've got a beautiful wife. Any of you who know her know she is my much better half. She's, She's beautiful and she can cook, and she loves God. Yeah. What more do you need? Um, so she, she's amazing. I wish she could be here. She woke up with some stomach stuff today, so she wasn't able to come with me this morning, but she said to tell you all, she loves you. Um, and I have three daughters. Yes. Pray for me every day. I thought when they'd get grown, it'd be easier. It's just another thing of, of whatever. Goodness gracious. They are wonderful. They are. They're wonderful, but... Uh, Having three daughters was definitely a journey. I made it, so far, with a smile. Uh, so we founded in 2007, I, I went through all this, served in the United States Navy, graduated for Shorter College, and I was in uh, Operation Desert Storm. Um, so let's get into it. I, I wanna be thoughtful of our time today. The first thing that we wanna think about is we wanna talk about stewardship, right? We have to understand stewardship. Stewardship is the first step of financial freedom, submitting. Oops, see, I told you. Rachel, yell at me. I'm trying. (laughs) This thing just doesn't like me today. (laughs) May have to have a flipper because it is on. Yeah, it is on. I just don't have the touch you do. All right, so the first step to financial freedom is submitting to God's authority with our money and material things, planning properly, and making wise decisions. So that's a lot, isn't it? That's a lot. So here's the number one mistake we make. The number one mistake we make is having the mentality that as long as we tithe and give our 10%, that the other 90% is ours to do whatever we want to with. No, it's all His. We are just giving stewardship over that other 90%, and we're still supposed to pray, and we're supposed to ask, and we're supposed to be in communication with God. Just because you can afford to go buy that new car, doesn't mean you should. You still need to pray because guess what? He may see that you're about to be laid off three months from now. And you don't know that, but he does. And you know when we pray, God will give you that either peace or that uneasiness? Yeah, that's, that's real. That's a real thing when we pray. God doesn't withhold the answer. He's not trying to trick us. He just wants us to pray and ask, right? So that's what stewardship is about, is understanding that everything we have is his and that he wants us to do well with it yeah, so good. all right so many of you have heard this story before it never gets old telling it it's so much fun does anybody know who that castle belongs to it anybody you've heard this story all right so this is the heir's castle Many of you know Pastor Lance Ayers, and this was his family's castle. And, of course, with a castle, you have what? You have a steward, right? Right. The steward takes care of of everything, makes sure the the taxes are paid, and makes sure the grounds are taken care of, and, and all of the tapestries are well done. So you have a steward that takes care of it. Well, his castle got repossessed. Because the steward didn't pay the taxes like they were supposed to, so it got taken away from them. That's an example of not being a good steward, but the principle also applies to us. That if we don't take care and manage our affairs, God giveth and God what? Take it away. Can also taketh away. He has to be able to trust us with a little to entrust us with what? A lot. A lot. See, we know the scripture, but how hard is it to apply it? You know, God talks about money more than any other subject in the Word of God. you know why? He probably knew we were going to have a problem with it. <laughs> right? It's tough. It's really, really tough. Yeah. All right, so we must take honor in doing well with the tangible resources God has entrusted to us. Uh, we, that goes along with stewardship. Uh, up there, we see tithing and our money. And, and really what it comes down to is food, clothing, shelter. Those are the things that God promises us, this food, clothing, shelter, and those are the things that we need to take care of first because everybody out there is going to tell you, hey, we're supposed to get a piece of what you've got, Mm, not before I feed my family and take care of my shelter. Those are the important things, and we got to keep the important things the important things, right, and stay focused. All right, so what three things keep us from allowing God to move in our lives financially? Number one, greed. The definition is excessive earthly or materialistic desires. In 1 Timothy 6.10, it says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. We've heard that scripture so many times, but I want you to look at it. I want you to look at it. It doesn't say money. It says What? The love of money, there's a huge difference between having money and loving money. When money becomes the priority, when materialistic things come the priority, that's when we have wandered from our faith and we're going to have many griefs. And you know what, that's self-inflicted. Because you started chasing the wrong thing, chase God, seek ye first the kingdom of God and what? All these things shall be added unto you right? That's what we have to be seeking. That's what we need. Because you know what? I did it. We all make mistakes. In my early 20s, I was chasing the American dream, the white picket fence with the the cars, the camper, the house in Gwinnett. I thought I had made it. I was like, man, I succeeded. I was 25 and dumb. All I succeeded doing was getting myself in so much debt that I couldn't breathe and being stressed, and being worried, and never having any money to do anything, and all I had was a bunch of stuff yeah. that even took me and disabled me from being able to tithe. Ouch, yeah. right? Now, I still should have tithed in faith, but I did like so many, and didn't have faith that God would take care of it, but finally, I went, you know what? I'm miserable. I wasn't sold at all, And I was so happy and I felt so good and I was able to give to God and I was able to do things with my family and have money to do things. And all of that burden fell off of my shoulders because I started chasing who I should have been chasing all along was God and not all of that stuff. Because how many of you ever bought things and went, oh, I'm so excited, a new car? Yeah. And, you know, six months later, we don't care. It's our car. It's our car. It's dirty. Now i got to clean it. The old needs changed. The tires need changed. It's a burden. I mean, am I wrong? Come on. Can I hear somebody? All right. So what's the next thing? The next thing is disobeying God's Word. In James one twenty two, it says, But be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Now, what are we talking about here? Listen. I, I'm, I'm getting old, so I've made a lot of mistakes at this point. I know I don't look old, but yeah. Just because it sounds like a good plan doesn't mean it's God's plan. Just because you're doing something good doesn't mean it's what God wants you to do. If you haven't prayed about it, you shouldn't move. You should do nothing until you ask and you hear back. You can't just ask and go, yeah, I prayed about it, but, but did God answer you? Did you hear from him? Come on. We got to get smarter, guys, or the enemy's just going to keep getting us. He's going to keep binding us. He's going to keep us in depression and anxiety. He's going to keep destroying marriages. He's going to keep on with generational curses. We got to stop it at some point in time and correct our behavior by understanding what God's word says and what he expects and what he wants. It's really easy. It's not hard, but we just have to have new disciplines of praying and seeking and asking instead of just doing and being reactive to all the mistakes we made. How many of y'all in here have ever, you don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have ever made a mistake and then looked back and went, man, that was stupid. And then what would have happened if we had just taken a few minutes to pray about it and then just waited for God to answer us? You could have kept yourself from a lot of heartache and other people that it spills over into, right? So, disobeying God's word, meaning disobeying what God wants for you and disobeying with his monies what he wants you to do. Next is idolatry putting our hope in money and not following God's plan for our lives. We've already talked about that a little bit. In Matthew 7:24. 24, Everyone then who hears the words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded upon the rock. That's what happens when we build our lives based upon God's will for what he wants us to do with our monies, with our families, with our ministries, that's when it comes against us and it can't get us because we did it his way. We can't fail when we do it his way, all right? All right, next. So how do we begin to be good stewards with our monies? Go ahead. We view money as a tool. A tool can be used for good or evil. So let me ask you a question. And Jeremy remembers back in the day, we actually used to really use a real hammer, but we found it scared young children in the audience. So if I had a hammer in my hand, and I took a nail, and I built a house with that hammer, I did what with it? I did something good. I built something with it. But I could also take that hammer and turn it around and take the claw and hit you in the back of the head with it. And now what have I done? I did something bad, I did something evil. But the tool, it's just a tool. It's the same thing with money. We can either do good or we can do bad with it. The choices is up to us. It's what we do, it's the decisions we make. And we must understand that it's just a medium of exchange for tangible resources. That's all money is, it's just a thing. And the biggest one, and what I want you to take from this slide the most, is it's only as important to you as things are. That hits. It's only as important as things are to you. I mean, me, with God growing me in in wisdom and knowledge, with maturity that only comes either from two things, from above or old age, (laughs) I, I have just learned whatever if I have a dime, great if I don't, he's got it it's his plan, I don't care and you know what's in that mentality? Peace there is peace with that understanding that tangible resources and money does not bring happiness I know a lot of really miserable multimillionaires, Many, many marriages falling apart, kids won't talk to them, they've got four houses and two boats, and they stay in one of them most of the time because no one likes them. I know a lot of people like that, guys. It's because they're chasing the wrong thing. They're looking for their peace and their happiness in the wrong places. Right? So we need to seek God's wisdom in our finances. Number one, take care of our needs first. This one seems so easy, but yet it's so hard. Living on less than you make. Sounds simple, right? Well, I've got $2,000 a month. As long as I don't spend over $2,000 a month, I'm fine. Well, if it was that easy, we wouldn't have billions of dollars credit card debt in the United States. We outlive our means chasing the American dream. Credit card companies say, here you go. Oh, yeah, go ahead. You can have this truck. We'll finance it for you. Well, just because they approve you doesn't mean you can afford it. It means they want your interest. And if you can't pay it, they'll take it back and resell it again. They're not on your side, guys. You need to realize they're not on your side. And again, this comes through prayer and wisdom and asking God about purchases and things that we should do. And the biggest is developing a financial plan. That's one thing we need to do. In Luke 14, it says, For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him. We need wise counsel. And we we need to sit down and formulate a financial plan that works for us in our life, Because God, he wants to give you the desires of your heart, right? But sometimes it takes a little longer than we like, or it's not exactly the way we see it, but God wants to give you those things, and you just have to have a plan to implement, and and that first starts with stewardship and prayer. So here is, is one of my favorite cartoons. You see over here, it says, Keeping Up with the Joneses. And on the left-hand side, you see there's a small sign that says house foreclosed. And on the right-hand side, you see the real big one that says home foreclosed. It's all big and fancy, and the guy says, thanks, I got it at Pottery Barn. Even in foreclosure, they were competing to have the nicest sign, to outdo the other one, to look better than the other one. Seek God's wisdom in our finances. So we've talked about all those. Hang on. For some reason, mine didn't move. Give me one more. Give as you have been given to. So in John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him shall perish and have eternal life. And in Ephesians, it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her what does this have to do with finances? Anybody? It all goes into giving. God is all about giving. The Spirit of God is about giving, giving to others, helping others, doing for others. That's the Spirit of God in all aspects of our life, all of them. Try to outgive God. I dare you. Try it. This is the one place He tells us to test Him. Try to outgive Him. It's amazing that the heavens open like they do when you have a giving heart and you just do for others. And you know, when we're thinking about others and we're helping others, our problems get so small. They get so small when our focus is on others and we just have faith and know God's got us. He's going to take care of us because I'm out doing his work, I'm out doing his will, I'm out being the hands and feet of Christ. When we're doing those things, God's got us. He's got us and it also makes us realize when we're helping others that are going through things that our problems aren't so big. We all have problems, everybody does. But man, it is so amazing when our focus is on Him and being the hands and feet of Jesus. So let's talk about tithing. So we all know that tithes mean what? 10%, all right? Now I get the question all the time, Rob, so is that off of before taxes or after taxes? Right, I, I get that all the time. The only scripture we have is it does tell us that it's considered our first fruits from our increases. All right, so we always tithe after our gross. All right, that's the scripture, that's the way it reads, and that's what we teach and what we believe. Um, So we always tithe off of our gross. And guys, it is so important that we tithe because tithing allows God to move in your financial life Not because he needs your money, but because it's an act of obedience and faith. That's what it's all about. It's about obedience and having faith in him and giving to him, knowing that he's going to take care of our needs. There's so many testimonies of people giving blind faith and going, I didn't have it to give, but we gave anyway. And then in the mailbox, here it comes. God always finds a way. He's not going to leave you out there. And do you mind if I, can I preach for a second? All right. So this has just been burning in my heart lately. What is this all about? What do we come here every Sunday morning for? What do we praise and worship God and read his scripture and build ourselves up? We have to get back to the essence of what this is all about. It's about spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's it. That's what coming in here and worshiping and building ourselves up it it, it's, it can't be about your own personal salvation forever. You can't keep coming to the altars week after week with the same problem. At some point you have to take up your bed and walk. He didn't say, take up your bed and cripple over there and strengthen yourself over the next few months. He said, take up your bed and walk. That's healing. That's complete healing. That's what God has for us if we take it and we accept it. That's complete healing. And then at that point, we can start moving our focus to others because that's what it's about. And that is what here, in a monetary sense, your tithing is about. Your tithing is to grow the kingdom and to enable, to be able to go out and to minister, to have monies, to go out into your community and to be able to do things and draw them in and teach them and build them up and send them out. That's what it's about, guys. That's what it's about. Because with salvation becomes responsibility. Responsibility. It does. That's not, that's not my opinion. That's the Word of God. That's the Great Commission. Which is the entire thing that Christianity is built upon, is the Great Commission of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. Give someone else what God has given you. The freedom, the love, the joy, the happiness, walking in the fruits of the Spirit is not just for you, it's for everybody. Right? Amen. Sorry. I, I, he, man, he's been burning this in me lately, just, just in my bones. In my bones, it's been burning. So, didn't mean to get preachy. I'll, I'll go back to teaching. All right. So, give as you have been given to. Why do we tithe? We tithe to learn to fear, respect, or revere God, to honor and obey God. Amen. And the one we just talked about, it opens the doors to blessings in our lives. You have to take this serious. When when our monies come in, 10%, bam, gone, doom. It's not even a thought, it's not even a can we, should we, it's it, done. And then we deal with the rest. Yeah. That's just how it has to be because trust me, not everything is ever going to be completely perfect. Okay, life's gonna happen, bills, transmission falls out, all of those things in life are going to happen and it's, you're going to go, I want to, but I just don't have the money to. Man, that's called walking in faith and allowing him to move in your life. Because when we do that, it enables him to move. Everybody says, man, everybody else has miracles, these testimony. You have to be in need of a miracle to experience one. Give him a chance. He's still in the miracle business, guys. Give him an opportunity to let the testimony come across your lips to someone else to encourage and build them up. Now, how should we tithe? Not begrudgingly, not out of necessity or compulsion, and willingly with a cheerful heart. So we shouldn't go, oh, man, you know, God. I guess I'll tithe. There goes them new hunting boots all morning. guess I'll get them next season. Hope you enjoy it, God. Mm-mm. It's not the way the Word of God tells us to do it. And we shouldn't do it out of, oh my gosh, I have such a big need. I need to give this week because it says if I give, God will bless me. Mm. He sees right through that, guys. God's God. Can't fool him. We need to do it willingly with a cheerful heart, even if it's the hardest thing you ever did. Just do it knowing that He is God. And He will take care of you. Being good stewards and glorifying God in all areas of our financial life is the first step to financial freedom. So let's go on to step two. Step one's kind of big. I know, I know, just so you know, the rest of them aren't quite that big. So let's talk about planning and protection. If you don't, if if at first you don't succeed, just make a better plan. All right? I can tell you now, all of us people that are getting older in here can tell you that any successes we have ever had have been built on many million failures. And you just got to get up and keep going. Learn from it. Get up, dust off your drawers, pull them up, tighten them up, and keep walking. That's all you can do. All right, so let's have a fun time. Let's talk about budgeting. So how many of you in here have had and done a monthly budget before let me see a a lift of hands how many of you have worked off of a budget all right so how many of you have taken that same budget and crumbled it up into a little bitty piece of paper and threw it in the trash can about the same number of people now why is that that's a great answer teacher's pet Somebody else besides her. No. <laughs> Sound familiar? <Yeah. laughs> All right. So let's talk about why budgets do not work. All right. So why do we need a budget? Let's talk about that first off. You there? Yeah. Number one is just to know how much money we make. I know that sounds funny, but you know how many client meetings I sit in and go, so what is your net income per month? I don't know, and they grab their phone and start going to look in their account. You don't know how much money you have coming in? That's the most important thing for us to know is we got to know how much is coming in so we know how much can go out, right? And also, we need one to track our expenses versus our income. Income minus expenses, of course, is our disposable income. Hopefully there is some. That's the goal is to have disposable extra income above and beyond our expenses on a monthly basis. So what happens when we don't use a budget? Number 1, credit card debt increases. Some of you may feel like your ends never meet. Relationship problems and bankruptcy. Pastor Josh, I am so sick and tired of seeing modern-day American marriages being destroyed by finances. Because this world tells you to buy more, buy bigger, buy now, buy newer, you need, you need, you need, you need. We are just completely 24 hours a day hit with marketing and advertising telling us to buy, 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 buy. It's destroying the fabric Of our families because the days the generations that went through the Great Depression have started to pass away and the saving mentality is dying with them. Y'all remember the ones my age your grandparents who saved, saved, saved? It's because they knew what it was to have nothing and they were scared of it happening again. Well guys our world doesn't look too much greater right now than it did back during that time. Things are hmm, not looking too great. We're just going to have faith that God knows what he's doing, and we got to go through it. But it's not that great, and we need to learn to have a savings mentality again and to be able to budget our monies and to be able to say no. Again, just because you have money in the bank doesn't mean it's a good idea and that you should go out and spend it. You know? We need to be thoughtful about how God wants us to spend our money. And in the beginning of that, it's having a working budget that works in your life. Now, who should do the budget? <laughs> Boy, it's 2024, isn't it? All right, so if you're married, the right answer is both. Both people should be involved in the budget. All right, now how do you do that? So you, the person that puts the budget on paper is your Rachel, all right? It's your nerd. Oh, it, 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 it's your Rob. It, it's your, your person for those in my generation, the ones that used to have their calculator watch time to go off when the bell rang to change classes. It's that person. The millennials are going, huh? Calculator watch, what are you talking about? So it's, it's, you always have a geek in the family. It's just the way it works. We always have one that does the numbers. Sorry. So that's the one you want to put the numbers on the page. Now here's where the breakdown happens. So you have the person, the nerd, put the numbers on the paper, and then they take it to their spouse or their other, and they say, okay, here's the budget for the month. And then they go away. And they expect that this is going to happen. Well, then life happens, and the budget gets ruined, and then the geek turns into a ferocious two-headed dragon, and they go, my precious, you destroyed my precious. What did you do? It hurts. We put a lot of time and effort into that beautiful, aligned Excel spreadsheet. It was easy, just follow it and you destroyed it, and now all of a sudden, World War III, doors are slamming, crumpled of paper, dunking it in the trash can into the abyss. We failed, right? All right, so here's scenario two. Scenario two, nerd, budget, beautiful spreadsheet, date with my beautiful wife. We sit down at dinner at the beginning, or actually at the end of the month, and I push the budget, we discuss it, and she has input. Mm-hmm. They used to be things until we got old like, oh you forgot about the ballet recital, and the cost of all the dresses we have this month, and you forgot about this, and you forgot about this, and my stress goes up, but we're communicating, yeah. and I'm moving things around, and we both put our stamp of approval on it, and then we push the budget to the side, and then we have our date. Yeah. 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 Whole different scenario. Yeah. Now, That's part one. Part two, speaking to all the nerds in the family. When the budget falls apart during the month, which it will, because life happens. You have to make a budget a livable and breathable thing. It has to breathe with life and understand that things are going to happen, okay? And when those things happen, you have to just kind of move things around. Like, oh, well, we had this $200 expense over here show up, so I've got 200 over here in entertainment. I'm going to move it over to here, and we're going to do a little bit less entertaining over the next couple of weeks so that we can make this happen. so But it's got to be able to be living and breathing. That's the second thing that people mess up of why budgets don't work, okay? Because life happens. All right. Any, any questions on that part? All right. All right, just so you know, many of you know now there are great um, all types of apps out there to help you with your budget. I still use Mint.com. I, ha- I just started with it forever ago and I've grown with it through the years. I love it because I can go in and set my budget, say, for uh, eating out and set the budget for the month. And I put an alarm in when I get $100 within that. And it sends me a text message that says, hey, you're getting within $100 of your monthly budget. You, you set on food. And then when someone says, hey, do you want to go out to eat after church? I go, nah, I, I'm, I'm good. I'm going to go home and eat some oatmeal. Um, so, but, but it does kind of hold us accountable. And, and that's good. We sh- should use technology that's available to us out there to kind of help as an accountability partner so we know what's going on during the month. Okay? And, you know, if Lori goes and blows out the clothing budget, then I know hey, I need to go over here and take away money from somewhere else and put it over there to cover that cost. Uh, she's not a huge shopper, so I, re- I really don't have that problem. Um, mine is more of the grocery store. She's a vegan, soy-free, organic person. Uh, she's expensive. Lord have mercy. My garden's getting bigger. I'm trying to grow more and more of my own food um, so that we can retire one of these days. All right. So we've got to make a plan. We talked about that a little bit earlier. Proper planning is vital in order to succeed. In Proverbs 15:22, it says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Proper planning will keep us from worrying, which is both unfruitful and distracting. In Matthew, it says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So instead of worrying, the Word of God tells us to what? Pray, ask God, and to give thanks. Don't worry about it. He's got it. He's got it. you know what the opposite of having faith is? Fear and worry. Yeah. It can actually become sinful. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. It's not my opinion. It's what the Word of God says. So in Philippians, it tells us all of those things. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Amen. That's what he tells us to do instead of worrying, guys. Worrying doesn't change anything, no. nothing at all. Pray about it, asking for the help. And give him thanks for doing it for us, yeah. and then walk away, yeah. and let him let him do his thing. Let God be God. Yeah. All right. So one of the things we got to talk about in planning, I'm going to be quick right here, just for time's sake. And this is something if you need help with, we can help you. Is to make sure we have proper insurance coverage: life, home, auto, uh, health, and Medicare, disability. Proper insurance coverage protects your family and estate in case of injury or losses. Uh, This is a foundational piece guys. Life insurance is foundational. You can go and you can save $250,000 and then all of a sudden if you have a premature death with a lot of debt that $250,000 is gone. Okay so life insurance is one of those things as a foundational piece that we've got to make sure is at the bottom of the pyramid before we start building those other things savings and investing retirements on top of that. Next thing is we've got to save up an emergency fund. We need to have three months of living expenses for married couples with two full-time jobs. That's kind of the, the world we live in at this point. And six months of living expenses for people who are single, married with one full-time job in the household or business owners that are self-employed. That, th- 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 this mandate has actually changed quite a bit here in the last few years. Uh, because of the costs that we have in our society now. Uh, with inflation, homes, all of that, th- this has actually changed in the CFP world, certified financial planning world, they've actually changed these guidelines over the last, I think, two and a half years ago. Do What now? P- almost in some areas, yeah. Uh, especially in interest rates and inflation I mean it's it's uh, we, we need some relief <laughs> that, that's for sure things are just really expensive and honestly I don't even know how young people are surviving coming out of college anymore I mean when rental properties are you know two thousand dollars a month it's like rental is supposed to be the cheap alternative but you can actually buy cheaper now um, it, it, it's gotten rough out there without a doubt So one of the things that we have to do this for, guys, is this keeps us out of debt. Because it's not when life's going to happen or if it, it's when it's going to. So this helps us if, say, the transmission falls out, you know, or the dryer goes out. Then we have liquid monies to go and replace that thing that you need in your home or for your car to get back and forth to work to make money. So we need to have that in an emergency fund in a savings money market. I tell people to have somewhere around two to $3,000 to be able to take care of those things. And then on another liquid account, we need to have that three to six months worth of living expenses for two things. Number one, if we get sick and we can't work or if we get laid off that gives us three to six months that we can still pay our bills and take care of everything without going into debt and give us time to either get well or find a new job. These are our safety nets. These are the things, again, foundational piece, life insurance, then our safety nets, all right? Plus, we need to have estate planning documents in place uh, also for planning, your last will and testaments, uh, your living will, your financial power of attorneys. Those are extremely important to have, okay? This. This keeps you out of court, you know, if someone is on a machine and the families are fighting whether or not to leave you on life support or take you off. It keeps that from happening. It it keeps, especially if you have children under the age of 18, many of you have heard me say this before, in the state of Georgia, our intestate laws, dying without a will, they will go into the foster care system. No questions asked. So you need to have a will in place if you have minor children. until they do an investigation on the new guardians they will go into a foster care house even if grandma and grandpa are out in the audience saying we'll take them if it's not written somewhere too bad Uh, they had to do that because of some abuse that happened to some children um, and the other family came and sued the state and they said okay no more of this Uh, we have to have time to do background so it's extremely important Uh, I can't do wills I'm not I'm not an estate attorney but we do have an estate attorney that we use Uh, or you can go online Uh, it's not my favorite thing to do because wills are contestable but it's better than having nothing all right a couple of hundred bucks to make sure your kids go where they need to go it's well well worth it all right and also having the financial attorney uh, in place is also very very important that's if you're not able to make decisions on your own because you're incapacitated that person's able to, you know, pay your mortgage, pay your car payment, your insurance, your utilities, all of those types of things can take, be taken care of for you, all right? And legacy planning, in Proverbs 13, it says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but a sinner's wealth is stored up for the righteous. So let's talk about legacy planning for just a minute. Legacy planning is, is the concept of us, number one, leaving an inheritance for our family. All right, in Proverbs, it says that we're supposed to leave it for our children's children. So we're looking at our grandchildren. And part two of that is that we're able to leave to a ministry. And this is something a lot of people don't think that they can do or don't realize they can do. So it's something we teach. Imagine that you just say you have a half million dollar life insurance policy and something happens to you. And in that life insurance policy, you took fifty thousand dollars and you put it to your church well when you pass away do you know how much fifty thousand dollars helps infused into a ministry that's that's kingdom changing stuff you know and 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 here's the here's the thing though that i've heard i've had conversations with people they're like well that's fifty thousand dollars what if they don't do with it what i feel like they should Or it's it's, it's handled irresponsibly. There's two things I want to say to that, and I always say that. Number one is you can have it go to a trust, which is pretty inexpensive, and have a trustee that you've appointed over the trust to make sure the funds are being spent the way you feel like you want them to. Now, I'm not talking about being controlling. I'm saying maybe your heart is in youth ministry, and you want 25,000 to go to youth and 20,000 to the children's, and so there's there's just things God laid on your heart, you can ensure that happens by utilizing estate documents. Secondly, the thing I say to people is that once you have done what God put on your heart to do, you're done. At that point, that's between that leadership and God. You are no longer held responsible All that matters is that you are obedient to what God put on your heart. And this is very, very easy to do. This is something Lori and I have done, and it's literally just going in and putting in a contingent beneficiary uh, on your life insurance policy, going to the ministry or to the trust you set up for the ministry to be able to pay. As you think about it, while you're here alive, you sow into that ministry, right? And it's something that you're, you're committed to why can't we be committed to it even after we're gone and help to make sure that it continues doing God's work in even bigger ways? Uh, Because a lot of times, none of us just have $50,000 to write a check to the church, even though we'd like to. But a lot of times we have these life insurance policies that enables us to be able to send those monies and be able to sow into the kingdom. So that's what legacy planning. If you have questions about it, I'm more than happy uh, to answer any of that. I get excited about it because I think it's cool, that's something I've poured into really hard that I can help it even after I'm gone to continue going so that all the seeds I planted don't die. I mean, just just to be honest, I know it gives them a good foundation to continue on and to keep doing God's work. Um, We just talked about that. Let's keep going. So here's just a few things. What kind of legacy could you leave? Longevity, stability of the church, future church growth, domestic and international missions, food pantries, property improvement and growth. Legacy planning helps future generations of the church thrive in the kingdom of God. All right, so this stage of financial freedom builds on the foundation of stewardship and sets a course for our future success. Moving on, debt reduction. So let me ask a question. How much national debt do we have in the U.S. currently? Anybody want to take? No Google. No goggling. No goggling. $32 trillion. All right. How big is that? $16.9 trillion. That's $51,000 per adult. We're in a lot of debt. That's consumer debt. Consumer debt. Okay, that's not U.S. debt. That's consumer debt. So what does God say about debt? He says, number one, if you borrowed, go ahead, if you borrowed, you should pay back your debts. Psalms 37, the wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. We should owe no man anything except to love them. In Romans thirteen eight, it says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another, for whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. We are ruled or enslaved by the lender as long as the debt remains unpaid. Proverbs 22, the rich rule over the poor, and the borrower is slave to the lender. So as you can tell, God has some pretty, some pretty strong opinions about debt. And it's something that he doesn't want us to be in. And here's the great thing, guys, and and this is another another chance to pause just for a minute. No matter what mistakes you've made in the past, no matter what we've done, no matter if you feel like you're in a hole you can't get out of, we serve a big God that can find a way. You just have to be willing to do it. You just have to want to have that life that's debt-free and be willing to make sacrifices to do it. And we have some great debt reduction strategies. I mean, we can get you out of debt faster than you realize. And that's one of my favorite things to do because I can literally see hope restored in people's faces when we show them, look, if you do this, this, and this, this is where you're at six years from now. And they're like, wow, I didn't think I'd ever get out of debt. Oh, you can. It's just something we have to purposely go after. And then that frees money and there's freedom in that, freedom for you to do, freedom for you to give. So let's talk about debt realities. $5,000 worth of credit card debt with a 24.99%, which is a little on the low side right now, interest with a $125 a month minimum payment, ends up for 87 months, seven years and three months is how long it's going to take for you to pay that off and you're going to end up paying $5,854 in interest. So you're going to end up paying 10854 for $5,000. So is that good for you or good for them? It's good for them. That's why they're willing to say, hey, here's this card. Go have fun. Because we're hoping you can't make your payments on it, and you just make minimum payments. Because we're just going to make more and more and more. All right, you've got to understand the game to be able to play it. And, and the game is get out of debt and don't go back into it. And we can help you do that. All right, debt solutions. Always strategically make payments larger than the minimum and follow debt reduction strategy customized for your specific needs. And don't spend money you don't have. It's simple. Don't spend money you don't have. I know it seems simple, but it actually is that simple. And a lot of times we justify it through our kids. Come on. Don't get mad at me. Don't throw me out. But it's true. We're not doing it for me. We're doing it for them. But you didn't have that $8,000 to go to Disney. You didn't have it. So we should have done it. Sometimes it's called saving. Saving. Well, we're not going to do it this year, but will it save? so many dollars a month, and let's go next year, and let's pay in cash, and let's go have a blast and not have to worry about it. Now you've done something for them and something for yourself, all right, and something for God too, all right. Rather than lend, God tells us to give cheerfully without expecting anything in return, give to the poor to help their needs, and here's the big one, give to our enemies. Yeah, we kind of read right across that one, don't we? In Luke, again, not my opinion, guys. If you want to be a Christian, we're supposed to follow his word. Well, his word says, but love your enemies and do good to them and lend to them without expecting anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is even kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. That's a lot. Eat that meat. That's a lot of meat right there, guys. We have to have a giving heart. It's easy to give to Josh because I like him. He's a cool dude. He's an Auburn fan and not a Georgia fan. I'm giving to him. And I know he's going to do the right thing. And I know he's probably going to pay me back because he's a great guy. But how about the dude who's done me wrong in the past that needs help? And God taps me on the shoulder and says, hey, you need help. No, he don't deserve that, God. Really? Because his word says I should. And that I should do it without expecting to get it back. So let's talk about that for 10 seconds. I know we're running low on time, but 10 seconds, let's talk about that. Guys, when you give, don't expect it back. If you can't do that, then you don't need to give it. Because the enemy will get deep in your heart and he will make you angry. Especially with friends and family. You got to sit across the table with them at Thanksgiving. All right? Go ahead. It's true. It's true. One time, Lori and I gave to a family here in Douglasville, actually. It had gone through some stuff. Lost everything. It was around Christmas time. Got a phone call about a family in need. I met him at Villarica and McDonald's parking lot. I met him up there and I handed him $2,000 cash for two kids. Now, I'm not uplifting me. I'm telling you about this subject because it's important for all of us. And we, ch- we chatted for a little while, you know, loved on each other and it was in an envelope, and, and he was like, well, you know, he's like, man, this, this looks like a, a lot, man. I, I, don't, I can't even tell how much is in here. I was like, man, it's, you know, it's a couple of thousand there. It should be able to give you guys a good Christmas. I hate everything y'all been through, and the next words out of his mouth were, man, I mean, we, you know, we, we were hoping for more, but, but, but thanks. i gonna be honest with you. I was angry all the way on the drive back to Carrollton, because I'm like, are you kidding me? That's more than I spend on my own children. Yeah. You know, I mean, we were thinking, hey, they can buy Christmas, get a Christmas tree, you know, get, you know, have Christmas. I was blown away. So you are 100% right. But that is that is to protect you. That's to protect your heart. When you give, and, and I'm not telling you to tell them, hey, don't worry about paying me back. But just you in your mind go ahead and go, well, I may never see this again, and I'm okay with that because I'm giving because God told me to give, and then let it go. And and just move on, and don't worry about it. If it comes back to you, just say, thanks, God, I appreciate that. And if it doesn't, just say, thanks, God, I appreciate that. You're teaching me humility. All right? All right, so moving forward. In order for us to live generously, we must free up our income from being bound to debt and interest payments. All right. Now that we have our foundation pieces in place, we can start to save money for future goals. Number one, saving money is holding money for five years or less, all right? That's your money markets, checking accounts, liquid type of accounts, things that we're doing for short term. So we need to put aside money for future needs. In Proverbs 21 20, it says, "'The wise store up choice food and olive oil, "'but foods gulp theirs down.'" Yet, we should not save for the purpose of hoarding. In Ecclesiastes, it says, I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owners. So we need to say, any of y'all ever heard that person that they're going to line in the inside of their coffin with all their money and take it with them? Yeah, we ain't supposed to be like that. All right, we don't want to hoard money. We want to have an open hand policy that where money can come in and it can also go out. Okay, we don't want to be like this with it. We want to have an open hand so God can do what he wants to with in and outs. And do not be greedy for riches, First Timothy. Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. All right, so let's talk about a few reasons to save. We've already talked about emergencies, three to six months. I'm going to keep going. Bid purchases, car replacements, home renovations, and vacations and reoccurring needs such as clothing, car maintenance, home maintenance, insurance premiums, and Christmas. Guys, Christmas comes on the same day every single year. It shouldn't be a surprise, all right? So if you know you usually spend around $3,000 on Christmas or 2,000, whatever the case may be, take it and divide it by 12 and then put that away in a savings account, and guess what you have the next November, December? You have money, and guess what? You get to go out and spend Christmas, and not go in debt, and have fun, and no stress. It's an amazing concept. You should try it. It's awesome, man. That savings things works, and that's one of them we can save for every year, because we know that it's coming the same time. And we, you know, my wife and I did this when we were younger, in all honesty, Back in the day, we could write checks that we didn't have money in the bank for and know how many days it was going to be before they cleared, you know? We used to do that for Christmas, you know? We'd figure out, okay, well, when's this paychecks coming in? And it literally would take us till like February, March to get our accounts straightened back up after Christmas because we were so irresponsible and we weren't doing what we should in saving. And when we started saving, it just changed everything. You know, it it was just amazing. All right, last one. We're gonna talk about investing for just a minute. I know we're over and I apologize to all of you, uh, but I'm trying to be effective but quick at the same time. So once all the other building blocks are in place, we can invest money for extended periods of time. Investing is positioning money for five years or more. All right, but you notice investing is at the very top of the pyramid. It's the last thing we do. And I've already told you why. Because if we don't have all those other pieces in place and we just invested and those other pieces aren't there and life happens, everything we've invested goes and it's gone. All right, so we have to do it in some type of order that makes sense. So investing is our last thing. In Luke 19, 12 through 26, we know that they talk about the parable of the talents. Um, I, I'm, do I need to go through the whole thing? All right, for time's sake I'm not, but it tells us not to go bury our money and hide it. It tells us to go and invest the money and multiply it and bring it back to the master in faith, knowing that, that he wants us to multiply our monies, but not in fear, go and hide it away. All right, so let's look at these real quick. I know these are, for all of us nerd, we love these things. For some of you you are looking at it going, oh my gosh, that's so much information. What I want you to see is age 20 through 65 for 45 years, the stock being IBM, Putting in $50 a month. This is real market data. This is not pretend or theoretical. This is real market data That that person if they started putting away $50 a month buying IBM stock on a dollar cost averaging strategy By the time they were 65 they would have two hundred and ninety eight thousand five hundred and forty six dollars That's a real dollar amount so If we start early, we don't have to do as much to have bigger monies, right? Over a period of time. Now, now let's look at a person that started investing at 40. They waited, putting in that same $50 a month, they would only have $61,644. So to have the equivalent of what the other person had, if they start at 40, they've got to put in $250 a month to be able to have 308,000. So all you young people in here know you're not too young. The time is now. Every person in here that's older will tell you, start early. I wish I would have started earlier. I wish I would have started earlier. I wish I would have started earlier. Everybody in here will tell you the same thing. Even if it's 25 bucks, it's about starting a habit, a good habit of savings. And then increasing it as we go. You know, me, I work in percentages. I, I, you know, Lori and I, we, we, we save a certain percentage of everything that comes in, goes into our savings right after tithing. That's our habit. So, you know, I just do better with percentages, but for you, it may be okay, I'm doing 50 bucks a month because it's all I can do. All right? So let's look at age 20 to 65. If they put in $100 a month, they would have almost $600,000 put away at a hundred bucks a month. We spend a hundred bucks a month at McDonald's or probably more, all right? I'm just making a point that people say, oh, I don't have the money to say Yes, you do. Look at where you spend your money at. It's, it just depends on where you want you to spend your money, all right? So let's look at, yep. Let's look at this real quick and I'm gonna be quick on this. We have to have risk tolerance time horizon. All right. so basically what this is about is when we're younger, years from retirement, you see at the bottom, risk tolerance, we're 45 years away from retirement, our risk tolerance can be really high. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, we have time on our side to ride the seven-year bears and bulls. Okay, so when the month goes down, if we're dollar-cost averaging, we're buying up more shares, and then when it goes up, we own more shares, so we have more money. As we get closer to retirement, you see there around 20 years out, it starts declining our risk tolerance. It has to, because what do we not have? We don't have time, we don't have time. If we, get, if we stay too risky, getting too close, if we lose all that money, one or two things has to happen. You either have to work longer than you wanted to, or you have to change your retirement goals. That's the bottom line. That's your two options at that point. So we want to make sure that we're always keeping our portfolio in a risk-tolerance atmosphere according to our time horizon, okay? Um, I'm going to skip that one. Go ahead. All right. Investing for retirement, some questions you need to answer. Number one, what age do you want to retire? Now, this isn't, some people are, man, I'm going to work the rest of my life. I love to retire. I get it. Me too. I love to work. But what happens if you can't work anymore? What happens with that mentality if your body says, hey, you're retiring whether you like it or not, and you didn't prepare for that, now we're in trouble. So that age doesn't necessarily mean you're quitting work. It means monetarily you're where you need to be, that when you get up every day, you do what you choose to do, not what you have to do. There's a big difference between those two things. All right, the second one is, what type of retirement do you wanna have? So we have three different types. A homebody, that's somebody that's happy watching the grass grow and the grandkids play. Okay, if you've done it right, all you should have is food and utilities and money to spend on the grandkids, all right? A type two is your domestic traveler. That's someone who maybe wants to take two or three two-week vacations a year here domestically or has a motorhome that beep beeps on the way by saying hi to the kids. All right, so a little more money for travel. A type three is someone who wants to do heavy international travel. Not, I wanna go somewhere every five years. I'm talking about someone who's really gonna do heavy international travel. You can do that, but of course it's expensive. So we've gotta plan and get enough money put away for you to have that type of retirement, okay? The next question, will I have enough assets to last a lifetime and keep up with inflation? That's a big part of it, is keeping up with inflation especially when we see what's happened over the last, you know, four years. Inflation has been pretty rough on us. And the next thing is, is in retirement, are, do you have a managed account or an unmanaged account? Quickly, we want you to have a managed account. A managed account means someone is watching it, looking over it, making sure it's performing well. They're taking stuff out that's not doing well, replacing it with things that are doing well. So the, in an unmanaged account, we kind of say that's like a boat out in the middle of the ocean with nobody on it. Nobody's watching it, wherever the wind goes, wherever the tide goes, it's just going wherever and rocks could eventually get it and slam it and destroy it. So we wanna make sure we don't have old retirement plans laying around, nobody keeping an eye on it, just kind of letting it do whatever, okay? So we always wanna make sure that we're in managed accounts. All right, also you need to know your retirement plan. Uh, Don't rely solely on your employer plan. A lot of people are like, well, I've got a 401k, so I guess I'm all right. Well, I mean, that's good. I'm glad you're putting into it and you have one, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're okay for what you're wanting to do with retirement. So that's kind of where the analytics comes in. And do not solely re- uh, rely on Social Security. All right, I've been hearing ever since I've been in the industry that Social Security is going to go away. Well, it's still here. I'm glad it is. I think there will be some form of it around, but we shouldn't rely on that or we could be in bad shape. So we want to have our own stuff going on. We've already talked about starting early and get a personalized financial analysis. And the end goal is, finishing up again, sorry. When the people of God are financially free, we're able to live out the gospel. Roll, 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 there we go, no. That's weird. It should say the end goal up at the top. And I would okay, well I'll just tell you what the end goal is. So the end goal is when the people of God are financially free, we're able to live out the gospel. We're able to give generously and spread the kingdom of God by not being held by bondage in our finances. In Matthew, it says, Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's what this is all about. Being good stewards, being good disciples, reigning it in, going against the system, but the society has told you of what money is supposed to look like and doing it God's way to get repointed in his direction, to repent in those areas that we've done wrong, but knowing we have hope to do it right, because he's given us a guidebook to be able to do that. What is, what's next on yours? All right, so where do we stand? Just go ahead and bring all of those out, and I'm going to run through them very quickly to finish up. So I want you to answer these questions. Number one, do you have an estate plan and documents in place? Do you have adequate life insurance? Do you have a monthly budget in place that works? Do you have an emergency fund that are sufficient? Do you have a debt reduction strategy? And do you have a plan to retire when and how you want? So if you answered no, and I've already kind of seen for time's sake that it's been going around, if you answered no to any of those, that forms that are going around on the clipboard, you can sign up on that and basically, all you're saying is, hey, Rob, I've got some things I need taken care of. Give me a call. Okay, you're, you're not saying, hey, you're, you know, we're getting together. We're doing anything. It's give me a call. I need to talk about some things. Now, this is all I ask. Please, if you sign up, answer me. <laughs> uh, it's, it, sometimes it gets really frustrating when people do that and I chase them and I can't ever get in touch with them. So even if you don't have time, you've changed your mind, whatever, just send me a quick text back and say, hey, Rob, I'll get back together with you in a few months, and that way I don't feel like I'm bothering you calling you every few days. Uh, Because what I do now, because the world has changed, Jeremy would be proud of me, is I call, and I know nine times out of ten you're not answering because I'm not programmed in your phone, and it's going to voicemail, and then I'm hanging up, and I'm sending you a text and saying, hey, this is Rob... Just getting with you to set up a, a time for us to talk. Give me a call back. And then I get crickets. And that's frustrating because I have other things to do. So all I ask is if you sign up, it just, just get back with me. You know, even if it's can't do it right now, call me next week. Cool, man, we're, we're back and forth. We'll make this happen, all right? So that's all I ask. Um, I'm going to close myself out in prayer and then turn it back over to, to Pastor Josh to close. Uh, Lord, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning, Lord. We just thank you for this time together. Lord, I ask for forgiveness for going over in time, that that nobody will hold malice in their heart, and their seat will still be available at Golden Corral, Father. And Lord, I, I just pray that you would be with each and every one of us and that you opened our hearts and our minds. Lord, that you brought conviction where it's needed, that you would allow us, Father, just to repent in areas that we may not are being good stewards of the things that you've given to us to take care of. Lord, we just thank you for this time and we love you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank y'all.